Well, good morning, everybody. Who'd ever think that the mad guy with the flag in the corner gets let loose at the lectern? I think it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, he did say he's going to see how it goes. So, uh, never mind. This could be this could be the first and the last time, guys. So, uh, just bear with us. And uh, if it doesn't work out, you know, at least we tried, didn't we? That's that's fine, Tim. Thank you. Well, this morning we're going to look at um, the next bit of our series on living out our faith, and. We've been going through Ephesians, haven't we, in the last few weeks, and this specifically relates to the piece about employment, which is in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. So I thought we could read that together, and then, I think I'm pointing in the wrong direction here, so just bear with me, that's it. We could read the the piece in Ephesians chapter 6, and then because of my new role and so forth, I thought I'd share with you a little bit of my background, particularly as it relates to work, but sort of where I've come from and how I've got to where I am today, because it kind of fits in. And then I've got a few thoughts on this passage, and particularly things that I've learned from my working life. And uh, I've called it Lessons from the Frontline, and I thought, well, you might, might make it sound a bit as though I've sort of worked in the SAS or something like that. But it's not quite that exciting. Um, and I'll explain a bit more about that later. But I hope that, you know, that might make it sound a bit more interesting. So here we go. Let's just have a look at the, the passages here. And uh, in my version, it's called Slaves and Masters. But I think we can sort of translate that a little bit into bosses and employees or team leaders and team members, whatever it may be that you fits your particular situation. So starting at chapter 6, verse 5, this is what Paul says to the Ephesians. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their masters and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So let's just pray and uh, commit our time to the Lord. Lord, we, we just uh, bring this before you this morning. We're aware, Lord, that many of us work or are in working situations, and we want to follow your lead in the things that we do, in the way that we do it. Help us to be salt and light in the places that you've put us. And help us this morning just to maybe learn some new things that will help us in that work that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, let's go for the first slide, shall we, uh, Jane? And I apologise that um, uh, my PowerPoint skills aren't quite as good as I thought they were, and John tells me I've done it wrong, and that's why the slide's a little bit fuzzy. But um, I think if you look at that slide, you'll probably be able to see that I haven't changed a bit. (laughs) This is um, 1978, and this is me graduating at uh, Sheffield University. 
And uh, my first job was as a management trainee with British Steel in Rotterdam, no, sorry, Rotherham, uh, the northern part of uh, England. And um, I have to say that um, this wasn't my finest moment. Um, as soon as I joined the, uh, the firm, um, we were beset by strikes and... Um, you probably remember the winter of discontent and the steel strike. I spent about six months of my life dodging picket lines. And after about two or three years, um, they decided to have a major cull in the steel industry. And uh, I found myself... I did actually take a voluntary redundancy, but I'd reached that point where I realised that steel and me weren't, weren't a good match. And uh, I just felt like a very small cog in a very big wheel, and I didn't really feel that my contribution uh, was doing any good at all. So I was, at the time, I was a, a Christian, I was with a Christian group, and can we have the next slide? Um, I moved down to the Midlands with, with a group called the Navigators that I was with at the time, and um, one of the first things we did was I was given the opportunity to go and visit the States. And... Um, one of the things that had sort of crossed my mind was a chance of perhaps going into business on my own. And as part of the trip to the States, I managed to, uh, just by coincidence, I met a man called Ken Westner. And he explained to me that he was the vice president of Service Master. Um, can we just have the next slide, please, Jane? And Service Master was a company that had been set up by a Christian man just after the war in the States. Uh, his name was Marion Wade, and he was someone who'd been on the wrong end of some very bad business deals. And as a Christian, he said, there must be a better way of doing business than what I've been subject to in the past. And he said, I'm going to set up a business where we put Christian principles first. And so, just by, by the by, the, the business that he chose was, was carpet cleaning. <laughs> And um, it was the time just after the war when people were moving away from having rugs in their homes to having fitted carpets, and so a new system was developed, and that's what he jumped into. He developed a system for doing this. But more importantly, he set up four corporate principles that he wanted to run his business by. And these are them. To honour God in all we do, to help people develop, to pursue excellence and to grow profitably. And I thought, well, I can buy into that. So he said to me, well, if you go back to England, it may be that there's some franchises available over there that you can go into. And, and I was living in Birmingham at the time, and it happened that the Dudley franchise was available. So basically, I pitched in. The money I'd received for my redundancy was sufficient to, um, to, to get me started. And I spent... Um, the next seven or eight years, just building the business up. It's not an easy thing to do because um, you buy into it, but then you realize on day one you haven't got any customers. So you then have to go out and start slowly, slowly building up the business. Can I have the next slide, please, Jane? Um, so this is me. After about seven years, we've got a lady in the office. We've got uh, a technician to help me. And... Um, all the state-of-the-art vans and equipment, as you, can, as you can see. Then I was given the opportunity to go and work at head office. Uh, I spent then 10 years um, 
supporting a number of other franchisees and building up, uh, helping them to build their businesses. Next slide, please, Jane. Um, still good looking, you can see there, working hard. And, um, and then in the sort of uh, mid-90s, Beth and I met Beth here at Amblecote. We got together. Next slide, Jane. And um, yeah, I found a beautiful wife. We got married. And uh, in 1999... Um, we realised we were expecting Joy, our first child. So I decided that was a time to move out of head office and come back into the business and start to work more locally <coughs> on the pretext that I'd have more time. And if you speak to Beth, she'll, she'll sort of um, have a bit of a chuckle at that because obviously when you go to be self-employed, it doesn't always work quite that easily. So the next uh, 10 years, I was working actually in our contract cleaning business here in Dudley. Next slide, please, Jane. And this is the team, part of the team that we had based in Dudley. Um, and then a bit later on from that, I had the chance to sell the business, uh, which I did, uh, or half of the business, sorry, sold half of the business in 2011. Next slide, Jane, please. And um, during which time, obviously... Joy was growing up, and uh, I sold the business off, again, to have a bit more time for home and for, for, for things to do with church. And so that brings us up to today, where I've finally managed to sell the last bit of the business off, and I'm now supposedly a free agent, although I am still working three days a week for the new owner, and hopefully that will come to an end at Christmas time. So that's where I am. I hope that helps you to understand me and my situation, but... My heart, as Tim has said, is to be able to spend some of the time I have now serving within the church. Any questions afterwards? Thank you. Um, so just thinking, and I thought, from, from my experience, you know, there are some lessons that I've learned from my work, and, and this sort of relates into the passage we have in front of us today. And I think the first thing that you may say, and I certainly think, is, how come there's not very much in the Bible about work when we consider how big a part of our lives it really is? And I think one of the reasons for that is as we read Ephesians, I would say that particularly those passages on Christian living from sort of chapter 4 onwards all actually relate, a lot of them, to the workplace. And so let me give you a few examples and, and perhaps as I read these, you can perhaps think about your workplace and think how these relate. So, chapter 4, verse 2 says this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Verse four, chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. And then verse 11. 
So we'll just find that. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, my experience of working life is that those things don't often come to the fore. Work's a tough place, isn't it? Things happen, things get said, and this is stuff that really is quite alien to the work environment, in my experience. And, as, and our job as believers is to bring some of that salt and light right into the heart of that place where we are and try and have that kind of impact that we can only have with the Spirit of Christ within us. So, thinking about the passage we've just read, let me just uh, ask, start by asking you to consider... Firstly, your relationship with your boss. And if we read the passage, these are the sort of questions that come to my mind. Is your boss someone that you're happy to obey in the same way as you would the Lord? Do you obey your boss with respect and sincerity of heart? Do you behave at work in the same way when your boss is around as when he or she isn't there? Are you wholehearted in your desire to follow what the boss asks you to do? My experience is that attitudes to people in authority at work tend to be a long way short of these principles. Many people seem to criticise those who have positions of authority. They're often unsupportive and even keen to undermine authority. I, I often hear the accusation that those in charge are over-promoted and overpaid, And most people seem to know a better way of getting the job done than the boss does. And I have to confess to you that I am guilty of probably most of those things in my working life. I can remember a time when I worked... Uh, for a, a boss who was quite domineering and I thought I knew the right way to do the job and rather than following his instructions I did my own thing and I have to tell you it didn't get me very far the people that got the promotions the people that did the uh, that moved up the greasy pole were those who tended to do what the boss asked and follow his instructions to the letter and although it tends to be popular in the staff canteen to criticise our leaders, the truth is that in general, they're there by merit. Somebody believes they're the people to do the job right. And they've earned the right to be in the position that they're in. And they do deserve our respect. There will always be a few exceptions to the rule. But generally as employees, it's not our job to change the boss. It's our job to follow the instructions and do our best as well. So, again, from my experience, I'd just like to pass on a couple of practical tips which I've found helpful in my working life. And this is the first one. Firstly, as, a, as an employee, do what you're told to do. If your boss says, this is what I want you to do, I commend heartily to you that you do that and you make it your priority. I've learned that from hard experience. Secondly, do what you have to do. I.e., what does your job description say? Do that. Make sure you fully 
fulfil that. And then finally, do what you want to do. Now, we're all in slightly different situations, but usually there's a little bit of time left after you've done the first two. And that's the time when you can start to put your own ideas into practice. If you get it the other way around, you tend to get into trouble. That's my experience. And then the other thing that I think really spoke to me when we had Debbie Chamberlain... Can we have the next slide, Jane? Is this one. I don't know if you remember when Debbie came a couple of weeks ago. She was talking, actually, about her children. And she said, usually, if I ask my children to do something, at best, I'll get sort of passive obedience. But she said, sometimes... I ask them to do something, and they say, yes, Mum, I'll do that. And she says, that makes all the difference. And I think that makes the difference to God's heart when we take that attitude into work. If we can just show that cheerful supportiveness to our leaders, that's following, in my view, what this is all about. Just having the attitude that says, yes, boss, I'm prepared to do what you want me to do and to do it with a good attitude. I realise it's not easy. The things we get asked to do are often rubbishy things that we don't particularly want to do. But having the attitude right really matters an awful lot. So that's the first bit. And the second bit now talks about... Come on the next slide, Jane, please. Talks about those in authority, masters. And what Paul says to leaders, to managers, is this. Treat your slaves in the same way. So in the same way as you expect them to respect you, you must respect them. You must respect their views, their opinions, and their attitudes. And this is a lesson I learned the hard way when I came back into the business, as I said, when we were expecting joy. And um, one of the places I was managing was a site in, um, in West Bromwich. And there were... There were um, it was a, a Ford dealership and we had two ladies doing the cleaning of the, of, the, of the showroom and one lady doing the workshop and the lady who um, did the workshop was very unreliable and so I used to think well if the lady can't make it in I'll ask one of the other ladies to come and cover for her uh, and so the first time I asked her she seemed quite happy to do it, bearing in mind the fact that, you know, what I was asking her to do was three hours of extra work on top of what she was already doing, and she wasn't going to get home until 10 o'clock at night. So the first time I asked her, she seemed quite willing. A couple of weeks later, I get the same problem. The lady can't come in to do the workshop. So I phone up the first lady again, and she says, hmm... Not sure about that. Can you find anyone else to do it? And I said, well, I'm sorry, I can't. All right, then. Well, three or four weeks later, same problem occurs again. So I think, I know what I'll do. I'll ask this first lady and see if she'll do the job again for me. So I phone her. And I didn't quite get the result I expected this time. No, I'm not going to do that. Why not? Well, I've got myself another job. I'm going to work for a proper firm this time. Well, if you've ever had a slap on the face, 
This really hurt more than that, I tell you. What was she talking about? A proper firm. And I was really mortified. And I, but it did make me really think hard as a, as a manager. How come, in a matter of a few weeks, I managed to turn a well-motivated employee into someone who didn't even want to work for the business anymore? And something that just came to me as I was thinking about it is this. If you're in business, you tend to spend a lot of time, can we have the other side on there, Jane? Looking at your bank balance. And as a business owner, you have to make sure, as far as possible, that you're in credit. But sometimes things don't go quite so well, and the bank balance starts to slide, and you get down maybe to near your overdraft limit. And if that happens, you've got to do something. Because if you hit your overdraft limit, you can't carry on trading. You have to get some more money into the business or stop spending as much until you can get back up above the line again. And I realized that actually, when it comes to managing staff, it's the same thing. And I've called... And I've called this the fund of goodwill. So what happened in my case was that I started off with a well-motivated employee. I asked her to do an extra job. And all of a sudden, I find I'm in deficit. And before I know it, I've hit the overdraft limit. And she doesn't want to work for me anymore. And something I realized was that in the same way I have to keep an eye on the bank balance, I also have to keep an eye on where I am with my employees. If I can keep them well motivated, I'm in a good place. But it doesn't take much sometimes before they move into debit and eventually they lose interest and don't want to work anymore. So I decided, discovered, as, 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 as I went on, there were things I could do to try and help to keep my staff in the right place. And as bosses, I think we have to keep this fairly clear in our own minds. Where are we in relation with our staff? There are times when we perhaps ask a bit too much of them and they lose motivation. And then we have to do things. And we used to think of things that we could do with our staff just to help them feel a little bit better about the job. Now, sometimes, you know, paying a bit more helps, I know that. But we worked in a very low-wage, uh, low-margin industry. So that didn't work too often. But some things do work. Sometimes a friendly word, a bit of encouragement. Maybe at Christmas we do something special with the staff. We had a time once where we had a particularly hot summer. So we went round with cold drinks and took them all round the staff. And these are often the little things that just help to keep people on the right side of the line. And if you're in a position of management, I would just say, try and think about this, because it really does help to keep your staff in the right place. And to follow what Paul tells us here about learning to respect the staff and not push them to the point where 
they're, they're, they're beyond the, the point of no return. So one thing I thought we'd do, as we have a little bit of time, I'm just going to ask the st stewards at the back to do a little exercise. Now, could I just ask, how many people here are employees? Could you put your hands up? How many are employers? How many are volunteers? <laughs> okay, that's enough. Can we hand around the, 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 the sheets here? Now, what I'd like you to do, if you're an employee, is... I've put this chart on this sheet. I'd like you to put a, a mark where you are with you in relation to your boss. Are you in credit? Are you in debit? Or are you close to the overdraft limit? And thinking about what we said first about how employees should behave with, them, with their bosses, I'd like you to write down three things that you can do to improve your standing with your boss. So... If you've got a pen, just do that. If you're an employer, I'd like you to consider maybe one of or two of your less good employees and put a cross where you think they are on the chart. And then also put three points where you think you might be able to make a difference to in order to bring them back into a place of credit in the company. And if you just like to take 10 minutes to do that and then share some of your findings with your neighbours and that would be an opportunity just to share some of the things. So talk amongst yourselves and then I've got a few points to finish with at the end. Can you put your hand up if you haven't got a piece of paper, please? If you haven't got a sheet. Pens. If you haven't got a pen, we've got pens as well. Yeah, if you're an employee, sorry, if you're an employee, we want three things that would improve your relationship with your boss. Things that you could do that makes it will make your your relationship a bit better. If you're an employer, you do the same thing for your staff.
Yeah, if, you, if you're a volunteer, just treat yourself as an employee and do it that way. Okay, one more minute and then uh, we're just going to wrap up. So uh, if you want to take a little bit of time just to finish your thoughts on that and then uh, we'll... Okay, shall we uh, call, it, call the meeting to order and uh, just finish off, finish off what, uh, what we wanted to say today? Okay, everybody, I'm here. Great. I just wanted to say two things or a couple of things to finish off with. I'm sure you're all discussing very carefully what I was saying there. And, um, but what I would, what I would say is, um, if you want to take that bit of paper and discuss it with your boss, particularly if your boss is here today, then I think that would be a, an interesting discussion to have. Now, the first thing I just wanted to say is that, is that work is not an easy place to be. And I don't want, from listening to me today, for you to think that your work is always going to be plain sailing, just an easy way, follow the, follow the dots and, and pick up the check at the end of the week. Work is a place where things get said and done that are pretty tough, pretty hard. We sometimes have uh, expectations shattered and things don't work out and harsh words are said. It's a tough place and work doesn't just follow on an easy path. It, we have peaks and troughs 
And sometimes we just have to go with the flow and accept that life and work can be difficult. I was talking to Joy, our daughter, the other day, and she was telling me that uh, one of her bosses had asked her to um, make a presentation for her, for him at the last minute, and she'd had to work till 2.30 in the morning to get this done. And that's what I'd call a spike. You know, it's something that kind of happens occasionally and hopefully not too much. And she was most indignant that the, uh, that the, the thank you email from the, uh, the boss had got her name written wrongly. Well, I, th I thought myself she was probably lucky to get a thank you letter, but, <laughs> but, but as, long as, as long as these things don't happen too much, then I think we just have to accept that that's the way that work is. But there are times and there are situations like this. And uh, Paul, in this letter, does talk about favouritism. And I don't know if you remember when Wayne was here the other week, you get a situation where you start positive, but then all of a sudden the boss starts pushing you right up against the limit. And you find that day after day you're pushed right to the very edge. Um, I was speaking to a friend the other day who'd, he was actually uh, someone who's not been in the country that long. And he was saying that his boss has pushed him so hard, he ended up having to go to the doctor to have medication, to have you know, just to get through the day because it was so tough. And I think his bosses thought that because he wasn't very good at English, he didn't have any other options. He actually went and got himself another job and all of a sudden the company were begging him to stay. Well, it was too late. There's no, you know, once you've done this to somebody, there's no way back. And his bosses had got completely the wrong idea here. And... What I would say to you is, if this is you, firstly, well, thankfully, we live in quite an enlightened country. If you look at Paul's day, he was talking to slaves. There was no overdraft limit there. If the master wanted to push the slave to the very limit, he was able to, and that's why Paul was able to kind of speak specifically to the masters as well. But we live in a country where there are rules, there are limits, and... There are bosses that will break the law to, to make people do what they want them to do. And if you are in that situation today, I would say this. Firstly, there are ways out. Obviously, one way is getting another job. But another way is that there are, there are people who can help because we have, even, we have people in this church who are quite um, skilled in the area of employment law. And... If you are in a job where you feel you're, you're pushed to that limit, where you literally are getting either bullied or you're getting the wrong end of, of the stick, please come and talk to me and I can point you in the right direction because these are the sort of issues that we need to be able to deal with and help, help people with who are struggling. So that's really the, the last thing I wanted to say, um, that... As believers, we need to be in the right place as far as our relationship with our boss is concerned. We need to be treating our employees in the best possible way. And in that way, we can become the salt and light that God wants us to be in the workplace.